From Johannesburg to Jerusalem, the world is always changing, growing and innovating. Join Benji Shulman for the next hour as he brings you the trendsetters, the thought leaders and those creating news before it happens. Only on the New Blue Review, your favorite Jewish culture and current affairs show. Every Monday at 9 a.m. right here on 101.9 High FM. You're listening to 101.9 Chai FM. I'm Benji Shulman. This is the New Blue Review. Welcome to the show on this Monday morning. Hope that you are doing very, very well on this Kisember edition of the New Blue Review in a slightly makeshift gorilla studio uh, because there is some work being done on our building. So if it does sound like I am uh, away fishing, that is not the case. We're just uh, just dealing with some technical issues. So I do hope that you will um, bear with us as we um, move and discuss and have a show this morning. Uh, and of course, regardless of the technical issues, we always like to bring you the best show that we can. And it's going to be a great one. Later on, we're speaking to Rob Hutchinson about Parliament, some big issues coming up in this electoral act. Uh, we also want to find out what is going on with a few other issues as Parliament moves towards the end of the day. We're going to be having a small discussion about some strange and unwanted visitors, Hamas pitching up uh, on our shores unexpectedly last week. Uh, so we're going to be talking about what the hell are they doing here and uh, why it's not good, which it isn't, uh, and including the guy that's actually sanctioned by the State Department. So uh, that is a rather fascinating discussion we're going to be talking about. But uh, before we do that... Um, we have, uh, as usual, a guest in the studio talking about what is going on in South Africa. His name is Canton Pillay, uh, and he has a very storied uh, history in South Africa media, uh, including at ETV, at YFM, Cape Times, actually even this state, station a little bit from time to time. To time. Uh, and uh, he has been working very often, uh, if you know him from, from a variety of different places, on how to make South Africa work in, in different places. Uh, and now he's actually decided to write a book about it. It's called How to Fix South Africa, an Owner's Manual. And uh, and he's written a book, and he's interested to discuss it. So, Cantham, thank you so much for uh, being here, and welcome to Chaifem again. Well, thanks, Benji. It's great to be here. And you guys have done a pretty fabulous job in terms of this makeshift studio. <laughs> thank you. Well, we appreciate it. And you've done a, a good job in, in, in uh, makeshifting a book uh, on how South Africa work. We are a do-it-yourself sort of nation, and this is a... A book that, that, that brings together some thoughts on that. Why did you decide to write it? I mean, you, you've been trying to do stuff to fix South Africa for many years. You've even run for parliament at one stage. So why decide to write a book? It's been five years in the making, Benji. So that's, you know, uh, the, the first point. So it, it was kind of not something that's been put together at the, at the last minute. Essentially, we have a broken country because of the fact that we have politicians who've been doing their damnedest to essentially accelerate the divisions between us rather than the stuff that brings us together. And so what I've tried to focus on are all of the issues that we as South Africans, irrespective of you know our race, our religion, our uh, socioeconomic status, they're pretty much a range of things that we all want for our country. You know, we want safety and security. We want a good education system. We want um, the best possible lives for our children. And... I've tried to basically say, well, if we focus on these things, let, let's forget all of the stuff that we can't solve, okay, because we're not going to solve racism because it, it's been part and parcel of humankind 
as long as we've existed. So let's shelve that discussion. But can we do simple things? Can we actually fix our water supply? Can we do something about electricity? Can we do something about rolling out broadband? And these are all things that will benefit all of us. So short answer, yeah, that's pretty much what I've been working on. And it, it has been a five-year process. There were ideas that started um, if, uh, from my brief foray into politics five years ago. And now I've taken the view that what I'm doing is I'm open-sourcing ideas and saying to people out there, go and tell your politicians whatever your policy positions might be on the broad stuff, here are things that we can do right now that will actually make our country a better place. And I'm, I'm hoping that that stuff goes viral to some extent. Well, what's nice about the book is that you know I feel like somehow in South Africa we have this terrible problem where the terrible idea is always the sexiest, right? NHI and expropriation without compensation and... Uh, some or other form of some or other another grant that isn't going to work, and these things sort of catch hold of of the imagination in South Africa, and it's very difficult to dislodge them once they do. And and although there are uh, opposition parties uh, that have sort of policy prescriptions that are different from this, they often don't have nice, chewable, practical talking points that people can say. You know, I'd actually rather like to see X uh, as a specific. And I think that what your book does is actually give some of these very specific things that, you know, you could put on a placard and say, I want X and I want it now. And I think it would be very, very good. And what we're going to be doing, uh, hopefully a little bit after the, after the break, is just going into the book a little bit and, and discussing something. We're talking to Cantham Pillay today. Uh, he is author of How to, Six South How to Fix South Africa, an owner's manual. I'm Benji Shulman. This is 101.9 High FM. This is the New Blue Review with Benji Shulman. 101.9 Chai FM. Talking to Cantham Pillay today, How to Fix South Africa, an owner's manual, is the book that he has written. Now, <clears throat> Cantham, there's some huge, major, important, big issues in this book, and I'm going to start with none of them, because uh, I'm just going to start with the one that annoys me the most, which is none of the big issues. It's that every five years... Not only do I have to go get a new driver's license, but every year I have to go get a stupid disc on my car. It cost me 600 bucks. Uh, actually, to be fair to the, the, the driving license department, they actually can do it online now, which is a, a, a damn sight better than it was when I had to go and uh, stand in line at the post office for three hours in order to get it. But I've never, of all the stupid taxes that we have in this country, that one, for some reason, annoys me the most. Uh, and, and you have a perspective on it, so I want to start there. <laughs> well, the perspective was actually on renewal of driver's licenses. Right. The, the problem in terms of the license discs on the car yeah. is that if you look in terms of the way in which our political system is structured, you're able to raise taxes at the municipal level because you pay rates. Mm -hmm. You're able to raise tax at the national level because you pay income tax. How do the provinces raise taxes directly? Right. So there are only two ways that the provinces raise taxes directly. The one is through motor vehicle licenses, which is why Cape Town's license discs are significantly more expensive than the rest of the country. And the other is through gambling. <laughs> and I'm afraid, you know, the issue in terms of taxation is once politicians put a tax in place, it's damn near impossible to actually end up getting rid of it. Yes. Um, the question of, of driver's license renewals, essentially the only reason why one would need to have one's driver's license renewed is because you need to go for an eye test. Mm -hmm. 
And the fact is that you can actually end up doing that kind of stuff through your optometrist, who will then be able to digitally file the fact and um, automatically renew your license. Interesting fact, by the way. The fact that your license, uh, your driver's license has expired does not mean that you're an unlicensed driver. Right. Okay, which is why, you know, the insurance companies would be the first to move if that was the case. But you are still driving legally. It's just failure to display a driver's license. Well, then what, what is the point? I mean, given the absolute carnage on our roads and at the risk of talking about giving the government more powers than they need, I mean, surely if we're going to be serious about driver's licenses, it actually should be a test to make sure that you can, in fact, still drive. Interesting point that, you know, people don't talk about, uh, again, when, you know, you drill down into figures. And by the way, my book is very big on figures. Yes. I, I talk in terms of uh, yeah, numbers and, and, and so forth. For example, minibus taxis are responsible for 25% of all accidents on our roads. Mm-hmm. But they don't make up 25% of the vehicle population. Right. All right. So that, that's an example of disproportionality. Secondly, you always hear politicians talking about the fact that alcoholism is directly responsible for road deaths. What they fail to tell you is that it's drunken pedestrians who are the people who end up getting killed. So when you, when you drill down into these details, again, all of it, it becomes quite interesting. How do you actually end up getting rid of that disproportionate system? Well, that's something that you can't really only solve through the legislature, right? Right. And Again, going back to my earlier point, politicians, once you've put in place a particular structure that's giving them a sense of control, they're very reluctant to give it up. So th- those are, those are, so surprisingly, those things end up being the big ticket issues because you actually need to get a majority vote in parliament to be able to push it through. Now, it's an interesting, your, your, your subtitle is kind of interesting here, right? An owner's manual. And, and I do wonder if that is actually part of the problem here is that as South Africans, <clears throat> in some ways, our system was designed to be representative but not necessarily responsive uh, to, to the demands of, of, the, of the South African people. And, and, and that kind of leads to a lack of ownership. And I do wonder whether what, you, what you're trying to say here is that, fine, if you want to fix it, you actually do need to feel like, well, we live here, this is our place, and, we, and we're going to have to make it work. Spot on, yes. I mean, you know, the, the fundamental thing in terms of being a citizen of a country is effectively you have ownership of that country, mm. you know, unless you choose to give up your citizenship and move elsewhere, which is, you know, perfectly okay. But as long as you're there, you know, if you happen to be a homeowner, you do your best to make sure that you uh, fixing the leaking uh, taps, you're painting your place on a regular basis, you're fixing cracks in the roofs, you're going to be keeping your garden clean. These are all basics that we do as human beings. And we really need to take that mindset and extend it to our country. Right. Because we own it. (laughs) You know, no matter what uh, certain politicians might say to the contrary, we do have a constitution that actually says that theoretically we're all equal under the law. Now, you said that you crowdsourced this a little bit. So this is not a book that you necessarily... No, no not crowdsourced, open source. Open source. Yeah, open okay. source. So the idea is that the ideas are there. They are free. You want to take them. You want to go and use them. Use them as you see fit. Okay. Yeah. So uh, very different from crowdsourcing, <laughs> which is where... You where know, you, where yeah. you get a, everyone's opinion in and, and, and make, it into, in make it into a book. Exactly, yeah. So what do you... Um, what do you see as um, 
where you want the, the book book to go because uh, I guess we're having an election coming up. Uh, and after the break, I'd like to actually chat to you about you know, the power of ideas in a, in, in a political system, which is changing. I mean, we have a, a big change coming up. Uh, and, and I'd like to hear... Um, I'd like to hear about where you see this book going in terms of where the, the political system is changing. I'm talking today to Kantham Pillay, uh, and he is the author of How to Fix South Africa, uh, an owner's manual, here on 101.9 High FM. This is the New Blue Review with Benji Shulman. 101.9 High FM, I'm Benji Shulman. This is the New, Re- New Re- Blue Review, talking to Kantham Pillay today. How to Fix South Africa, an owner's manual, is the book that he has written. Uh, Kantham? Tell us a little bit about uh, how this book got written. I mean, you, you said it's been a five-year process, uh, and and obviously we have an election coming up where ideas, I think, are starting to matter more than they did uh, in previous elections. So give us a bit of a genesis of the book and also where you, where you kind of see it operating within the political environment. So there's two pieces of the puzzle here. So in the first case, the book actually started pretty much where my into politics also started, which was in 2018. Um, there was a young girl in the Eastern Cape, Lumkang Ketwa was her name, and it, uh, there was a picture of her on her first day of school, and there she was in her school uniform, and she's smiling, and she's bright and enthusiastic about going to school for the first day, and she never came home. And the reason why she never came home is because she fell into a long drop toilet and died in the most horrendous way possible on her very first day at school. And then I started, you know, as a parent, it's impossible to not actually feel an absolute sense of grief because, you know, I have three daughters. And and I looked at this young girl and I was in tears. And I took a look at this problem. There are 24,768 long drop toilets in our schools. Let's leave the rest of society aside. And the minister of education says, well, it'll take 10 years and 10 billion to fix the problem. And I said, no, that's not true. We can actually fix it more quickly. And so I came up with a plan to fix it in six months at less than a billion rand. Right. And if there's one very simple thing that right now that we can end up doing as a nation, it's actually putting in place toilets at schools which are going to cost us 250,000 rand that actually bolts onto the existing long drop infrastructure but you know means it's no longer a death trap so if any one of these simple ideas is taken up by a politician who then pushes for it to be implemented we've immediately got a win but to the point of the the follow up question you asked you know what i'm actually hoping to do one of the problems that we've got in our country right now is that none of the people that we have in positions of authority in politics actually have the experience in terms of the real world, in terms of business, to be able to actually get things done. Mm-hmm. So, you know, from my case, I've worked as a scientist. I've run businesses very successfully. Um, of course, uh, my media career is kind of well known. But my point is that over the course of those years, I've learned how to make things work and and how to run things successfully. People often say, well, the most important thing is to get the ANC out of office. Well, that's one piece of the puzzle. But the fact is that John Steenhazen, you know, has had no real job since he left school. He's been a career politician. So he's never run a business. Um, he's never actually 
needed to manage um, uh, an income statement and a balance sheet. How does he then end up, assuming he becomes president of the country, what ideas does he then take? And I think if you ask all of these politicians, how are you going to fix basic stuff, their answer is always going to be, well, we'll bring in the best possible experts, which is exactly the thing that the ANC has been saying they've been doing for the past 30 years. Mm -hmm. And every time things don't work, they blame the experts and they get a new batch. And I'm saying, well, guys, before you go into the elections, I'm giving you here um, a fairly wide sweep of very practical things that are either completely free to implement or inexpensive or within the context of the current budget. Right. Simple. So here, here are things that we can mm -hmm. debate and look at and see and implement if we want to fix certain kinds of issues. And, and you make a point in the book about it is that, you, yeah, is that it, it doesn't have to be expensive. We have problems, but then we, we have this mindset in South Africa sometimes that it's just more money that we need and then it'll, the, the problem will fix, be fixed and solvable. But what you've done with the book is actually, no, these are, these are cheap, effective solutions that we can do that don't actually have to break the bank. It might not even be a perfect solution, but it's uh, good for what we need to take the next step forward. Well, perfect is the enemy of good, as I keep telling my children. Right. That, uh, you know, uh, uh, from a, a business point of view, you end up with this idea of a minimal, minimal viable product. Yes. Okay, which is something that you can bring to market that's immediately going to make a difference. And pushing perfection you know, means that you'll spend years and years on developing it. And trust me, I found that to be true in the case of the book because, you know, 90% of uh, the time was taken up by the last 10% of the book. <laughs> now, you have something interesting to say about the NHI. I mean, I slagged it off at the beginning of the interview. Uh, but you think that uh, there's actually some alternative models that we're just not thinking about for our healthcare system that we need to... Because that's also, by the way, the problem with a lot of our healthcare debate is that um, you, you'll hit the big, the big insurance firms and whatever. They'll say, look, 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 we understand the need for the NHI, but it's too expensive, right? That's always the, and then, and then there's no ever someone says, but you know, actually maybe there's a different op approach here that we should be taking. Uh, and this is something that you do in the book. And you've got more than one chapter, actually. You, I think that the only chapters that have more than one is policing and healthcare, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and the economy. And the economy. And, and education. Yes. Okay. So, yes. so, so those so. are the four, the four fat kids in the canoe, so Yeah, to speak. very much so. Okay. So if you take the question of, firstly, why do we need national health? Mm -hmm. A lot of us end up staying in corporate jobs simply because we are tied to medical aid. Right. Which, which means that it's really difficult for us to become entrepreneurs because we don't want to put our families' lives at risk because we don't want to be dependent on state health care. Mm -hmm. Right. So let's agree that in order for us to have a country that's going to actually encourage um, people setting up their own businesses, you need to provide that safety net for them in the event of things going pear-shaped with their health. One of the, the models that I use in terms of the book is we look at what is being done in other parts of the world, and are there any places where they are doing it better than we are doing right now? And the model that I use is actually the Israeli model, right. because the Israeli model is that you actually have national health but it's not run by the state. It's mm -hmm. actually run by the private sector. You as a citizen are required to sign up with one or the other of the providers who then get paid by the state. And 
your choice in terms of which provider you end up taking will depend on a range of things. If you're a young person who's relatively healthy, you're going to go in favor of uh, a high-end hospitalization plan, whereas if you happen to be a retired person who requires chronic medication, you'll have a different um, uh, business model. Crucial point being, though, that if you take South Africa's health budget right now and you divide it on a per-person basis, mm -hmm. okay, you'll end up with a figure of roughly 500 rand per person that our state health budget currently costs us. So if you shut down the entire state mechanism and you take that 500 rand per month and you say to you know, Discovery Health, to ProfMed, to, um, uh, to Bonitas, to all of the other medical schemes out there, we want you to give us a minimum viable product that has the following deliverables and the state is going to pay you based on the number of people you have signed up with. Right. And guess what? It's going to work because Discovery's entry-level package um, is something like 800 rand a month. Okay. So, you know, just expand that across the, the, the context of the entire nation. The... Um, uh, the healthcare uh, guys, the medical aides, are going to be crazy to pass up on that opportunity. Right, at, con at, at the sort of economies of scale that you're yeah, talking exactly. billions of, they can make it cheaper, in other words. Exactly, absolutely. So, and so the idea would be is that you would give them the money and then they would pay the hospitals and... Yes, and the role of the state then mm -hmm. becomes in ensuring minimum prescribed benefits. Right. Simple. Making sure that the people do the job that they're supposed to do. You put yes. your money into compliance and regulation and inspectors to make sure that things are working, but you don't actually have the state running the thing and causing chaos as it does. Absolutely. And, you know, kind of like you have the CCMA dealing with employment issue, you set up a body that will actually intercede between the medical schemes and the public just to make sure that the public are not getting duped. So that's a very simple example. I'm saying that borrow ideas shamelessly. Mm -hmm. Okay, I borrowed ideas from Israel. I borrowed ideas from Iran. I borrowed ideas from the Chinese. You know, uh, the fact that it, it it might come, the ideas might come from places where we have political differences of opinion, mm -hmm. shouldn't actually prevent us from recognizing that doing what's best for our people means we take the best ideas, no matter where they come from. Absolutely. So, what has the reaction to the book been so far? Because uh, you know, for you and me to have a discussion with the idea that we're going to, uh, uh, you know, change the, the medical system in this way uh, would be is an interesting idea. But I think for some people, they might find it a little bit disconcerting. Have you had uh, strong reactions to the book and some of the ideas? So I've had um, two launches so far. So uh, I did a, a breakfast launch on Cliff Central last week, and then in the evening I did a much bigger launch um, at... Uh, the Empire Partner Foundation Tech Hub, and um, they were both well attended. They, the response in both cases has been good. The online responses have also been great, and but it's still early days. Mm -hmm. the, uh, one of the issues I've had to deal with is actually getting the book out to members of the public. So it's not available to, at exclusive books simply because the process by which you need to get it onto their shelves is too complicated. It's available at Love Books out in Melville as a, a starting point. Uh, Clark's Bookstore in Cape Town has it. There's Ike's in, uh, in Durban that has it. You can buy the e-book through Amazon. You can buy a print-to-order version through Amazon, which is actually um, pretty expensive because you pay in dollars and then this is the shipping fee, assuming it gets to us. I'm 
working to try and put together a system where you can get the book courier to you for um, well, the book selling for 250 which is basically covering my costs on it, but uh, I'm uh, try, uh, striking a deal with the courier guys to see whether they can get people to receive it for 50 bucks a copy. So that ends up being like, you know, 300 uh, rand. Okay, so, amazing. So yeah. if people want to get hold of the book, that's the best way sure. to do it. Yeah, look, there, there's a dedicated website. It's howtofixsa.co.za. Mm-hmm. Um, there'll be updates posted there in terms of, you know, where to buy the book. As more bookstores get uh, get added you know, that certainly will be the case. And the other thing that I've been doing is I've been giving many, many presentations at corporates. So I tell them, look, get your teams together. I'll pitch up there and I'll talk to them about what the book's all about. And the idea really is to try and get the core concepts that we've got to go viral. And it, it isn't about pushing my ideas specifically. As much as people taking into their heads the idea that, well, if he can come up with this range of ideas, maybe I've got some really good ideas that I can actually build on as well. Mm-hmm. And we get more and more of us into that mindset instead of waiting for the politicians to tell us what to do. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's wishful thinking, Veggie, but hey, you know. <laughs> <laughs> got to start somewhere. Well, Kenton, thank you so much uh, for joining us on the show today. It's been a real pleasure. I haven't really even scratched the, the surface of the book. Some great ideas uh, just looking through it, as you said, from... From policing to healthcare to education, and just tourism. just a shout out to Michael Yodan, yeah. by the way, who wrote the foreword for ah, the book. Yes, okay. Um, you know, uh, he and I have been in close contact now for um, close on 15 years, and you know, he's one of those innovative people that uh, really makes this country great. And uh, I think it's really cool that he stuck his neck out and um, actually put a stamp of approval on it. Yeah, fantastic, and yeah, you can you can actually read that as well in the in in the forward. Uh, so, and I I definitely uh, look forward to reading the book as well because some great and interesting ideas, including on how to farm rhinos, which we're not even going to get into. Kentham, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Really appreciate your time. Good luck with getting the book out there and uh, with uh, generating some new ideas and new discussions. Thanks, Benji. How to fix sa.co.za. Go for it. Go have a look at it. There we go. Kentham Pillay there on one hundred one point nine. Hi FM.